0: You're listening to episode 177 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at the librarians. But tonight, we're here to look at the season three premiere, The Librarians and the Rise of Chaos. So how you doing, man? Awesome. Yeah, this is great. It's so exciting to be talking about, like,
1: now we can, like, speculate and stuff.
0: Yeah, and we both survived parent conferences. It's the day before Thanksgiving, so here we are. Not too painful. Not too painful at all. But apparently, what is too painful is you guys sending us an email. Sci fi TV rewatch at G. That's going to really get them to send us an email. Yeah. Uh, sci-fi- I, don't, I don't know if you're selling it the right way there. Dude. Yeah. Sci fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. You can go to the website where you can leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab. Record your own audio clip. Send us the MP3 as an attachment. Send us a tweet at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch and encourage you to join the Facebook group and the, join the discussions there. You know, the only piece of news, and I don't know, you'll probably tell me it's spoilerish, but I don't care. It's not really. I think, I think it's fairly common knowledge that... When you say it's not really, then it probably is. You All know, right. Like, All I right. don't know the qualifier. Well, do you want to know how many episodes anyway. Noah Wiley is slated to appear in? In season three? Uh, yeah, I guess that's not so bad. Okay, he's slated to appear in seven episodes. Uh I'm, oh. I'm not sure how many he's directing. I believe I read somewhere that he is writing at least one. I'll have to check on that. But regardless, as you said a minute ago, it's good to be back with the librarians. It's good to have a new episode that we can speculate about. Uh, certainly on your end, because you remembered a lot of what was going to happen. I know there were a couple of times I said... I. Uh, wonder if such-and-such such is going to happen. It's like, well, Dave, yeah, it is going to happen. Yeah, it's just like Maeve, I remember. Yeah. But, uh, and Dolores. Uh, but listen, why don't we just jump right into it? The Librarians and the Rise of Chaos, written by Marco Schnabel and Dean Devlin, directed by Dean Devlin, and this one aired Sunday, November 20th, 2016. So, you know, any initial impressions or things you want to get off your chest right away? They, they kind of picked up right where they left off. You know the show established the 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 same kind of quick
1: witty repartee, the banter. The it throws us right into the middle of the action.
0: Doctor Who reference, yeah, you know? yeah. Now was there a All Doctor good. Who reference behind, uh, besides just the mannequins coming to life? All right. So what, when the comatose people started talking, that struck a
1: chord. Like I remember that from something, but I couldn't remember what it was. I was hoping you'd give me the assist on this one. Yeah, whether it was Doctor Who or not, yeah, I don't remember. Uh, I think I, I feel like it was like maybe Torchwood Miracle Day or something. Oh. I don't know. Oh. You know, it's just like, well, a, a, you know, comatose people like all saying the same thing. I feel like that was on like a Doctor Who somewhere or maybe an episode of Fringe. You know, I don't know. Okay. I couldn't I couldn't find it. You know, I like tried to Google comatose people talking and it was just like telling you how to make a comatose person talk. Okay
0: well yeah you know, my my first impression and, and just let me jump right into the grade I give it and uh, I'm sure some people people will be disappointed i I give it a b plus yeah, I was thinking of the solid b plus yeah and as a season premiere i, I, I certainly liked the fact that they had to establish a new big bad, and in fact they they established two here that we'll talk about in a few minutes there just wasn't anything that hit me so hard that yeah that's an a right i mean it was really good as you said they j- jumped right back into the storyline it's great to have flynn again but you know so we'll, so we're both going with a b plus at this point unless we get mm-hmm. to the end and change our minds which has happened before
1: i don't think i'm gonna change my mind i don't way. either
0: so because pretty much the second it was done, i'm like
1: yeah, yeah i mean it was enjoyable it was better than Ninety-five percent of the other rubbish that's on television, but uh, but you know, not up there with you know. If you look at it, like the Christmas episode or the um, you know, the episode where they're in the the island and Eves the you know where everyone was living out their fantasy right. life forever. Sure.
0: sure, yeah. Which
1: I, I think are kind of like the gold standards as far as episodes of the Librarians. Uh it just wasn't up there like that. I didn't find myself like laughing out loud at things, but I, I think they. Because they end each season, like basically, if we got canceled tomorrow, there'd be like resolution here, right? Right. And they don't leave cliffhangers or anything like that. So it's basically they have to kind of, as you said, they got to start over. They need a new baddie. They need to reestablish kind of the goals for the characters and what their concerns are and everything. And so this was really. If you really think about it, this is every season premiere is almost like a series premiere. Right. Except that we already know the characters, but everything else,
0: all the other narrative elements, they have to reestablish. Right. And so, within the context of a series that's beginning its third season, I mean, it's really a setup episode. Yeah. And I think it does it really well. Now, the the thing. And, And Leverage had to do the same thing. And a lot of
1: their their season premieres were not necessarily the greatest because like I said it was mostly ex- exposition right right and um, but as the season goes I mean I you know it's gonna you know you know there's gonna be some awesome episodes this this season right now
0: you know this certainly wasn't a episode-centric for any one particular character. I guess you could perhaps argue Flynn and Eve, because what struck me is Eve's concern that the team's not taking their job seriously enough, and that there needs to be more physical preparation. And I wonder, now that she's faced Duloc and Prospero, has the reality that their task is a lot more serious than maybe she ever even thought really hit home? I, I can't
1: imagine she didn't think her job was serious before Prospero. But you know, I mean, when you're traveling back in time and you realize you can screw up the fate of everyone, everything, um, that maybe lends even more gravitas to what you're doing.
0: Well, right, then that's what I'm saying. I, I mean, certainly yeah. she knew dealing with magic is a serious thing. But then you look at the foes that she's had to go up against. Sure. And heck, we didn't even mention Moriarty. So, right. Oh, well, because he turned out to be kind of a good guy. So. Exactly. So so obviously the one big bad is the god of chaos who wants to yes. release pure evil into the world as opposed to just regular evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: This isn't just you know, your normal, everyday, standard-grade evil. This is the good stuff. Right. But what did you think about dosa? Yeah, Dusha. you mean? That's what i going to call oh, it from now okay. is that right? Can I do that? Yeah, no, no, I'll leave it in. <laughs> yeah, they're because
0: they're... they're 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 just a bunch of douches <laughs> you know like. but I, I i like the fact that we do have two foes you know you know i mean sure uh i mean the government always thinks it knows best so even eve is not surprised that the government would would get involved flynn seems to yeah i think
1: she was almost expecting uh,
0: yeah yeah and, and and when you think about it why wouldn't the government get involved i mean with all the sophisticated equipment it possesses, I mean, some of these anomalies would have to register on their radar somewhere, you would
1: Yeah, think. E- exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, there were ley lines literally in the
0: sky. Right. That's going to attract some attention. Right. So the fact that we begin season three with two evil foes, I think is pretty cool because y- you wonder whether or not they're ever going to be able to bring dosa on board or whether they're going to remain a thorn in their side
1: yeah i I wouldn't necessarily call obviously they're trying to make dosa look evil and vanessa williams looks very imposing um what a great choice by the way ah awesome choice she's like so good already is because she like really brings that like kind of intense like yeah, uh, like just intensity. I guess it's just. Oh my god! Right, right.
0: You just her yeah. eyes. They're, yeah. they're just piercing. Yeah. And and yeah. and again, yeah. I love the men in black look. Right, I, I, but they're they're not really
1: competent, you know. So far, like she looks evil, and but the like the dude, what's what's his name? Yeah, so, I don't know the guy. Yeah, I, I got my notes somewhere when we get there. But like they're they're not like super great. Pritchard. Okay. At, at at their job and, and uh, uh, the you know the god Apep uh, kind of you know lets himself be tricked into helping out the librarians a little bit pretty easily there as well so um, I, I think it's I, I get it as a narrative device they're like going to be the guys who are always going to be getting in the way and so it's like another conflict that the librarian is going to have to deal with it's not just being the bad guy but having to avoid these tools wandering around who are trying to you know who are actually meddlesome because they are don't know what they're doing,
0: right? Well, sure, but but the the real issue I think is going to be it's one thing to kill Prospero, lock Prospero away, you know, get rid of the evil locks of the world, but you can't kill the government. I mean, you can't kill. These no. DOSA members, you can't lock them away, or, or as, as much as we are trying to with recent events. Or, uh, or can so. you? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, no, I think that's going to be interesting. Too, yeah, to see how no, they. And
1: this is just a, a, you know, what we would assume is probably like a not really huge agency within the government. You know, so even if, I mean, how? Yeah, like, what do you defeat? In them, right? There's no defeating these guys because if it's the government, there's always going to be, you know, they can evade, but it's not like, unless some, you could, I guess the congressional committee could kill the uh, DOSA, right? Right, but other than that, there's nothing, no spell, no narrative trick that the librarians can do that's going to get rid of DOSA, right? So they're going to have to, uh, you know, deal a deal with these guys and maybe even at some point have to actually cooperate with them. Right. Right.
0: And, and you wonder how often they're going to appear in in season three. I mean, you don't bring Vanessa Williams on board just to have her in, you know, two or right. three episodes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I wouldn't think. Yep. But yeah. And, and so you wonder, question. you know, how questions like, how long is it going to be before Vanessa Williams character and I again, I forget what her character is. I got it somewhere again in my notes. But did they say what her name she, was? Yeah, well, yeah, I looked it up on IMDb. She's a general, by the way. So I, I forget what okay. it is, but she's a general. You know how long? They
1: definitely didn't say that in the episode.
0: They no. did not. But how long is it going to be before she makes an appearance at the library? It's almost like I'd love you know blind oh, blindfold well, her, yeah, bring her
1: in. That is so going to happen, though, right? Like I, I, I put. I, I hear other podcasters always say planting a flag. I don't know if I really like that yeah. <laughs> that phrase, but you know that that's something that you know I, uh, that, that's a good prediction there
0: yeah yeah and, and the question will be will she trick them into it uh, or is it going to be one of those cases where you, know, you you bring up the fact that dosa, certainly in the, the premiere seems rather incompetent. Will yeah. Will Flynn make a mistake bringing her there?
1: I, you know, here's what I picture happening. And I don't know whether it's actually going to happen or not, but I picture her just kind of like her finding the library, and showing up uninvited, and they're just like, "What the what?" You know. Well, that would mean they're so, more
0: competent than we're giving them credit we ex- for.
1: Well, right. Well, at least she is. Okay. So,
0: all right. Well, why don't we get so into? Yeah, the- I,
1: I would see her like almost finding it on her own somehow and showing up. Without all her lackeys, she just shows up. Well, no, she's going to have like guys in front. Of her. She's going to like try, like like try. I, I, okay, here's 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 um, here's my prediction. She's going to show up with Pritchard and all her other goons, and then she's going to like somehow try to take over the library, and maybe even for the length of an episode, we will gain control of the library. Okay, I like there it. There you
0: go. All right, sounds good. <laughs> all right, well, why don't we get into this episode proper? Like, you got to love an opening scene that's a visual of the pyramid, and then we see the couple that's on vacation, the husband's bored because he hasn't seen any mummies or shrunken heads. Voice tells him to go through a door if he wants to see something cool, and I'm wondering, okay, because obviously it turns out to be chaos, how does chaos throw its voice? I I am concerned about
1: horror film literacy in this country, Dave. I think something needs to be done about it. Are,
0: Are you talking about me?
1: No, I'm sure you're fine, but I'm just saying if you're in a pyramid and you hear a disembodied voice, you should definitely not do what the disembodied voice is telling you if it addresses you by name. Now, should you in such case obey the disembodied voice and it leads you into a room with a sarcophagus in the middle, you should definitely not open it. Now, if you do go so far as to open up the sarcophagus, you should under no circumstances take a selfie of you and the mummy. So this is from your Uncle Wayne. Just some basic horror movie refer- you know, literacy tips that you can avoid being possessed by a demon or slashed by a killer or you know, berated by a ghost of an ancestor or something. Um, if you follow some of these simple horror movie avoidance
0: techniques but the sad part he didn't even get to send it to snapchat right (laughs) so now again we've seen the black stuff whether it's flies or whatever it is out of the mummy into him learn that this is the essence of chaos and you know again it's one of those narrative devices that uh, you know in any other show we'd say it's cheesy in the librarians it's fine you know how whatever we we
1: accept it for what it is. Right, right. It's almost like you know, like they're purposefully doing it. You know, like like they don't want to make the these those kind of like little special effects too good. That they want it to be a little. Because I mean, you figure like, today's technology. If they really wanted to make it like look, quote unquote, realistic, that they could. So they're purposefully doing it. So it's like not realistic. So you know I think it's part of keeping that.
0: That You know, that lighthearted kind of element to it. You well, know? well, it's a certain charm to it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good. Yeah. And, and again, it gets across the point that the essence of chaos has inhabited this guy's body. So. Yes. All right. So we get a cold open. The team's fighting off druids in the middle of some forest. And I, I thought it was a nice callback to the season finale from t- season two when Jones solves the video game puzzle because... This time it's an ancient version of chess. Right. Uh, And, of course, uh, Cassandra's the one that solves the moves. But I guess really all it does is serve to reintroduce us to the team and the fact that Flynn is working with them once again. Because, you know, outside of that, then it's over. Sure, right. Uh, And the one thing, because it happens twice now, and I think
1: it's dangerous to overuse this thing that Cassandra can do. Because it's starting to kind of look like a superpower, you know? Like where she could just pull it out any time. Like she doesn't even see the the puzzle and she just uh, solves it. Or later on when they are tr- they have all these pieces of paper all over the place and she's like, well, we should use magic. And they're like, no, let's do it. No, not magic. And she's like, okay, let me just wipe my hands in front of me and solve it in about 10 seconds. It's like, you know, like it, it's too like out from left field. Like how they, I think how they used it this episode. It's like a scientific problem, and she just has to figure out like the equations and everything. That's one thing, but now she's just kind of like, just anything that needs to be solved, she can just solve it,
0: right, just and, and, like that. And, and, and so, and it's sort of ironic that she, her first inclination is to use magic to solve it, and and of course they've seen enough magic gone awry. But you wonder, I mean, magic in the right hands. I mean, look, I mean, Jones is putting magic to good use.
1: <laughs> right, uh, but I think that's the point of what Jenkins says is that you know it's you always start off thinking, well, I'm gonna use this for good, but that it's in its nature it you know just corrupts
0: right, you just take it one step too far, and the right. next thing you
1: know, yeah, once you start you know once you start using it, then it's
0: you know then it's this gradual corruption, right, then you wanna carve a staff out of the tree of knowledge and exactly. So, all right. Well, I love the scene with Eve and Stone fight training. And and, and again, this goes back to what I said earlier, because Stone even asks, well, what's with all the practice and training? And, and I love that line where she tells him, I'm more than just your bodyguard. you know. And, right. and, it's, and it's almost as if she senses that something bad is imminent, and she just doesn't feel that they're prepared enough. And you know, of course, when we get to the end, I, I love that little conversation that she has with with Flynn about that. But but at this point, I also find it interesting that she starts with Stone, or at least he's the first one we see. Because, and I love the fact that he, hey, I'm a scrapper. I can't really learn anything. And then, of course, he uses the technique she teaches him and yeah. knocks the bag. It's like Eve, come look what yeah. I did. <laughs> Yeah and and
1: you know we've talked about before is the kind of she calls it um guardian's intuition but it's just this kind of uh, maternal attitude she has towards the librarians and you know and, and that's great when how he's yeah it's just like you know he just like
0: needs to show his mom like oh look look what I did in school today you know so yeah. and you wonder whether we see stone first because he has less to learn than the other two which leads me to wonder whether or not she'll ever teach cassandra to be a little bit more physical when cerebral just won't cut it
1: yeah i don't know because i think she's she's kind of training them with their 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 skills that they have you know used the best you know okay so she needs to train stone better like you know she wants them to hone their their specialties i guess
0: okay all right
1: so that they can work together as a team but that's actually i don't know it would be cool to
0: see Cassandra in fighting mode. Well, right, and, and just even to see because you know it's going to be a struggle because it, it, it's just so opposite to her being. But I, right. I think she's also smart enough; she would recognize that again. It, it might come in handy at some point, and and here we are taking a show that's we always say is light and fun and. Sure. Well, she was Prince Charming the one time, right? She was. So all right. Well, we we. Cut to the Science Museum of Boston exhibit, the story of man, and right away you you see that first—I don't know whether it's a Cro-Magnon man or whatever—but the first guy you see, we expect him to start moving. Now, of course, he doesn't at that point. But all of yeah, like
1: even the the second time watch, I'm like, yeah, I remember that guy. I totally thought he was gonna like move. Like, you know, they just showed that lingering shot.
0: Right, and I thought that was a great uh, uh, fake because, okay, all right, fine, maybe that's not it. But then, you know, a couple seconds later, the displays all start coming to life, repeating the word Stendek over and over. Yeah. And, and of course, at this point, you know, the mannequins attacking are, are reminiscent of Doctor Who's 2005 return with uh, Billy Piper's... Oh, you think? ...episode Rose. Oh, now, now I... I I put in the show notes. There's a link uh, to a story where Dean Devlin talks about the homage to Doctor Who, and I'll just leave it at that. You know, if you want to read it, it's there. I won't say anything else about it now, but it's pretty interesting. And I love the fact that hey, I, he makes no apologies for loving Doctor Who. Sure, and I, I mean, you 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 have to see. The, not just like i mean that is overt
1: right that's like we are directly referencing an episode of doctor who here no question about it but um you know, the librarians just as a show is so much like doctor who when you really think about it you know they always have like some great supernatural problem They have to come up with some crazy solution to it that can involve all kinds of um you know, speculative elements and, uh, you know, and, and then also maintaining that that lighthearted tone, that quick, uh, witty dialogue. I mean, it's just so many parallels between the two shows. It's like, – so I've always – I mean, part of the – one of the main reasons I I, I love the librarians is because it is so much like Doctor Who
0: that, you know, I just I, – you know, I love Doctor Who and I love the librarians, so – yeah. You know? Well, right, and and again what's so great is that Doctor Who it's generally the dynamic is the doctor and the companion against right. whatever evil they're facing, but here we've got a much larger uh, interpersonal dynamic to deal with and there're just so many possibilities that that uh, it's just a different show, but like you said, it's 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 got that feel to it. Yeah. Um now, that's great. I mean, I just,
1: when when the mannequins started moving, I just, I loved it. I was just like, that is so awesome. That, that's great. Um, But, you know, the one thing is, obviously, when the mannequins don't speak, like in Rose, um, it's about a million times creepier. I wouldn't say a million times creepier. It's it's just creepier when the mannequins don't speak at all, rather than they're repeating the word
0: stendek, which, don't get me wrong, is creepy. Just, I think it's creepier when they don't speak at all. While all this is taking place, Eve continues to be frustrated that they're not working enough to get better. And again, as we say, this feeling that a timetable, whatever it is, needs to be stepped up. And whether it's her years of military experience that tells her that her team is just not really ready. Is it the mothering instinct? It's probably a little bit of both. But all of that goes to hell when the clipping book bursts into flames. Right. Right. Well,
1: you know, and there's, you know, we're talking about that mothering instinct when the, uh, you know, the librarians are saying, "Hey Jenkins, look, look, we did really well." They're looking for validation from him, and he turns and just says, um, "Your mothers did not hug you enough, did they?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's just like there, you know, they're again, you know, we kind of said before how Jenkins and Eve are like have these kind of parental roles uh, for the team, and they're always
0: looking for validation from from one or the other. Right, right. So at this point, Jenkins determines, because we we know the clipping book brings up issues that are happening now or that will happen, but apparently there's so much going on that it was psychic overload, and that's what caused the clipping book to burst into flames. Cassie, as we said a minute ago, wants to use magic to put the book back together. Why does she immediately want to go that route? I, I know we talked a little bit about it before. It just, I I think that's something that bears keeping an eye on as we move through season three. Sure. Well, and you remember when
1: she had that encounter with the the, I guess the Lady of the Lake, Beth Reescraft, right? Um, you know, she was offered to be brought into the magical world, right? Right. That the the core, the essential thing of that. Yeah. So, um, you know, she's always been like a little bit more closely.
0: Related to the magic than the others yeah. which again is fascinating because she is so rooted in science and math sure sure
1: which, but she likes the the you know I mean that, that one episode where they went to the university was really kind of establishing how you know her relationship with magic and you know you know the math and magic, right that um, she really doesn't see the two as being totally different from one another
0: Well that's true.
1: But unlike, you know, Jenkins has said, you know, like, you know, magic is not
0: science. Otherwise it'd be science. Good point. So, <laughs> all right. Well, the men in black and her name is general Cynthia Rockwell. Although okay. as you said, we don't, nice. we don't hear that in this episode. So, I always feel like somebody's watching me. Remember that song? I don't. And I don't. Rockwell. I
1: have. Back in the in the eighties. Never heard of him. Michael Jackson. Well, it was a one hit wonder. Okay. Michael Jackson did the backing vocals. Okay, that I just tried to was, poorly imitate. I was going to
0: say because even I know that Michael Jackson had more than one hit.
1: Yeah. Um, no, there's, the, the Rockwell was the uh, the guy who did some. I think it's somebody watching me. I can't remember the title of the song.
0: All right. Well. Well. Anyway, she's there to interrogate the museum <laughs> janitor, who only tells him about the mannequins coming to life, and then of course it, it, it cuts to the scene. Where Jones and Stone, once they arrive with the other librarians at the museum, notice that 1950 submarine docked. And now they're just like little kids. And and I, I love that. I think it's Flynn that reminds them that they're here to work, which, right. again, is ironic coming from him. He who can be easily distracted by almost anything. Yeah,
1: sure. Yeah, it's hilarious. So a couple of things here. First of all, Boston doesn't have a submarine in the Charles River. Um, I actually did some research on this. There is a naval yard nearby in, uh, where was it? In uh, Fall River, Massachusetts, the USS Lionfish. But I don't think that that was the Lionfish. So at this point, I would say Could we have, have a sub right here in Baltimore, don't we, Dave? We do. The USS Torsk. So librarians, uh Come to de- Baltimore. Devlin.
0: Next time you need a submarine.
1: Yeah, you need a submarine? Come to Baltimore. Come film here in our lovely city and you know, film a TV episode that doesn't involve crime or drugs, and uh, you know, give give us some some
0: good press out there. Because we're willing to go with that suspension of disbelief. Yeah. All right, Dave. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> All right. So after interviewing the janitor, noticing the marks from the injection, Eve determines that she was that he was questioned by a government black ops unit. and, and then again, as she duly notes it was only a matter of time before the government put its own unit together to investigate magic you said unit and and then the guy remembers that they were repeating the word stendek and then suddenly the other patients who apparently were in comas start repeating it as well and I did look up. Just like if if just anyone out there knows, it is just killing
1: me. I just know that there's something out there somewhere, some episode of something where like people in a coma
0: were like saying the same thing or something like that. Or I don't know. Well, I I know that Flynn hears the word Stendek and then, you know, takes a couple steps. You know what it might be? You know what I I think it might be? What? So, you know,
1: the Doctor Who episode where it's like during World War II and all the kids have like. Are you my mummy? Yeah, 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 yeah. So wasn't there a thing where there was like people in in comas, and then they all like woke? No, 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 no. no, no. It was that the Christmas episode, right? Which one? But like people still had the stuff on faces, but they're all like passed out, and they had to like go through the room with the one with uh, the Santa Claus one.
0: Gosh, I'm not sure.
1: And they had to like there was there was like the because the, there was like on a like a ship or uh, some space outpost, and all the people. uh that were there had like stuff on their face, and they were all lying out on, on like beds, uh, hospital beds, and they had to like run through this room, and then the people like started waking up. As I, I think, that, I think that might be what I'm thinking of. Okay, Gosh. I don't
0: know. All right, sorry. Uh that's quite all right. All right. Um, well, one thing I did look up that Stendek is an anagram for descent. It's also an anagram for scented, but I think descent. Is more apropos if at all so we'll just throw that out there now i i love when they introduce you know ideas like inanimates that are possessed by animistic deities and 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 i mean I, i'm sure a lot of you guys studied animism when you were in school that, that whole idea that objects places animals can possess certain spiritual powers and and you know here i guess we have a case of household so they really teach that in school oh yeah okay Weren't you an English major? I, I was. Man, okay.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Animus. But like if you're not an English major, you might... I, I thought you meant that that was like a class or something, animism. I thought
0: know, like... everybody was an English major.
1: Okay. <laughs> no, some people want to actually be employable when they get out of college. Hey, now.
0: All right, so, uh, so the whole idea that they're trying to warn them of something, again, I, I thought was a great idea. But as I said, Stone figures out that they're actually saying... Steck deck or i forget exactly how you pronounce it but but i think it's cassandra that translate it translates it or maybe it's stone i forget hours of the day which leads them to the antikythera clock that's at- yeah so
1: yeah uh, uh, this is just where this is this again like dr who there's a point where they come up with the solution and my brain just like says whatever and this was that point in the in the show. I was just like, they're, they're just all this stuff. Like, even hearing you explain it, it's still like, it just doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense to me. But, but that's okay, though, right? Like, I just roll with it. Right. And, and obviously, this clock is a real thing. and It uh, is a real thing. But you know where it isn't.
0: Yeah, in Boston. It is
1: not in Boston. <laughs> it's actually in Greece. And I don't think they're loaning it out to anyone. No, I doubt it. It's probably. But it is amazing, though. Like, it is like.
0: Like everything they said is is true, right? That it predates equal technology by at least a thousand years. Yeah, by like like fifteen hundred years almost.
1: Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's it's like you know. And here again, you know, is you know maybe every it, it certainly is a kind of focal device for every time travel aliens theorist who's out there in the world,
0: right? Yeah. So all right, well then we get to the scene where Apep who's inhabiting the body of the bad husband uh, goes into that diner and we get our first sense of what exactly his powers are. You know, he goes all black eyes and, and I guess we could say he sends chaos to those two workers who then immediately start fighting and then he walks out and everything seems to go back to normal. So is it like proximity related? Yeah. Cause we, we've seen that.
1: A couple times, right? Where once he leaves the room, then like that—that that power is is gone, right? Which right. seems like pretty lame power if you can just like walk into the next room and all of a sudden it doesn't affect you anymore. But here, and you haven't seen the Kingsman, right? No, you totally got to see the Kingsman, man. You, you here's two: Deadpool and the Kingsman. Next time I talk to you, you have to watch those movies. Okay, get on it. I'm writing them down. There's there's no no agents of shield this week so there's no arrow this week so you got well, you're not watching arrow anyway no, um, but in the in the the Kingsman there's uh, a scene an unbelievable violent scene where everyone in the room just goes crazy and starts you know killing each other, so. Again, I don't know, I'm sure sure they've seen the Kings, but I don't know if that was like, this was really like a deliberate shout out to that, but it's certainly what
0: came to my mind is just watching this scene. Okay. Well, clearly chaos was reigning in that diner. It's not over yet. So the librarians go to the museum, the clock suddenly starts working. Yeah, that's not possible. And, but what was... Really funny, and, and and there were some funny scenes. No, look, it's the librarians, of course, but one of my favorites, Cassandra, is just wants to be the one that informs the others what they have there. But Stone and then Flynn are having none of it, they just talk over her. Well, I'm not inviting you two to my birthday party, yeah.
1: <laughs> Flynn and Stone are, are cut from the same cloth, as they're just really these kind of things just really excite them and and they're they're motivated so academically motivated that these they just geek out on these things all the time they can't help themselves but they're obviously um it, it's it what we really see here is them kind of pushing her back into a secondary position right sure so i think a lot of these things that we see with you know Cassie and her attraction to magic, and how she is again not purposefully, but how she is treated sometimes in this team, as you know, as being kind of like as a a, a lower rank. I think that's all going to come full circle this season. You know, okay. like I think they're getting it somewhere. You know, Cassie's going to maybe assert herself by. You know diving more deeply into magic and might end up being you know a uh um, an antagonist in one of these episodes
0: yeah yeah and I guess as a a means of coping with exactly what you said, taking that that secondary role, so the clock gives them a location in the museum, which of course then follows with what you were saying a couple of minutes ago. It's like okay, whatever. Uh, They go down the basement. We find the smuggling vault since it's, of course, built on the bones of an 18th century church. So this is like the third horror movie no-no, right? So
1: we had the following the disembodied voice. We have being in a freaking museum at night, and uh, and now we have going down into the creepy basement right so they're just it's like they've never seen a
0: horror movie in their lives dave i I tell you it's just galling well the other thing and and again maybe if i looked at the scene more closely i would i would see that he really had no choice but it's like every cop show in the world the cops go to the place to look for the bad guy they immediately kick the door in well why didn't you just try to see if it was unlocked yeah (laughs) it's just Give the handle a
1: try one time before you go kick it in,
0: right, so he smashes and and again, given its architectural and historical importance, you would think Stone would see if there was anything he could do, yeah, to open it a little bit more carefully but but no no so of course that that wood looked kind of new
1: to be really of architectural significance uh, I
0: guess you're right and and but still, you well, know. Well, we have play. to see Stone swinging an object at some point R- in the episode. Exactly, exactly.
1: But, you know, he did say, well, you know, this has probably been here for, you know, hundreds of years. And then well, let me take a bar and then smash the crap out of it, though. Right, yeah. right. But they do- So, interestingly enough, so our buddy Chris who we work with, he was actually telling me that, I guess, like, his grandparents' place up in Buffalo is, like, right on the Niagara River. And they had something, they had, like, a smuggler's tunnel there. Oh. From, like, Prohibition. Okay. When, uh, you know, they would smuggle- not his grandparents, but you know whoever had lived there before, had, you know, would, um, obviously has evolved in smuggling uh, whiskey from Canada into the United States.
0: It's funny you said that. My grandparents uh, had a place down on the Chesapeake Bay, and they'd lived there for a number of years, and then they started doing some remodeling. And when they when they took the walls down, they found you know all these guns and money and and what they wow. found, what these people were they were running rum from the Car- yeah. Caribbean in this house. So, uh yeah, interesting. However, I don't think oh. either of them found a chest, no, with a symbol with an ank that, you know, represents Apep, the god of chaos. So, and it was also good to see that symbol again. That was I, I was trying to find on the internet because I knew I'd seen a picture at some point of Ozzy Osbourne back in paranoid days. You know, right. wearing one on a. Yeah, I,
1: I, I used to wear I, I like when I was in college, I was at like some concert and I bought a necklace that had an onk on it. And people would ask me what it was. And I knew enough to learn that it was an onk, but they'd ask me, was it me? I'm like, I,
0: I don't know. It just looked cool. So I, I got it. Yeah. 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 All right. So we find out Dosa department of statistical anomalies at this point they're investigating the restaurant but but as you said you know they come across as really an incompetent organization but they've got a clue right so they they know to go to the boston museum but they're always one step behind to be fair they're new to the game don't really know what they're up against uh, not only with magic but with flynn carson and the librarians although he does Imply that that they know about Flynn Carson and and the connection. Whenever there's an anomaly, you seem to be there. Sure. So that's why we're following you. Right. So they're going to have to use magic to you know put up a cloaking device or something. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. So, but they shouldn't because if they use the magic, then it will corrupt them. Good point. So Jenkins, as he usually does, gives the background about Apep, sworn enemy of Ra. But they thought Ra imprisoned him centuries ago, which is apparently what he actually did, right? Yeah. Well, I think a
1: librarian imprisoned him. Uh, Again. Oh, you could be right.
0: I I think it was like the first. They said the first librarian. So. Right. 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 So, uh, you know, so we get back to this guy Barry, who's. um, Oh, did you see what how uh, how Jenkins facetimes? Oh, I did. with uh, he had like the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> like they
1: have a tablet. He has a mirror. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Takes, takes us back to the librarians' movies. Yep. Absolutely. So, But we also, you know, again, uh, bring up about Barry, who's gone missing. And of course, we know that the spirit of APEP is, is inhabiting him. Chaos in human form. Sort of like my six-period class. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: As I said before, I've seen your six-period class, so I'm, I'm there. I, no. I, I, I agree. Yes.
0: We have, we have new seats for Monday. <laughs> but uh, pure evil exists in a delicate balance with pure good. And I love this whole explanation, I guess, we're to to take it, that this is why the library was created. So that the right. balance between the two remains intact. Right. So
1: does that mean that if order and harmony gets too much of the upper hand that the librarians need to release some chaos into it? Ah, good. Into point. the world, you know? I, I, like it's gotta
0: work both ways, man, you know? So but it almost implies that it was it had that purpose before the purpose of controlling magic in the world. That that was right. just kind of a byproduct. Sure. Okay. So the box we find out holds the key that can unlock the pure evil. Which has been confined. So, which, obviously. why would you have that? <laughs> why key? would you have a key? <laughs> <laughs> like, just
1: in case we ever need pure evil in the world. Well, again, uh, then I guess that maybe that speaks to if you have to leave the, the balance, like if too much order exists in the world, then you need to unlock the key and let chaos out a little bit, you know?
0: Yeah, sort of like the last so, election. I
1: don't Ex- <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was my no turn. Doubt. All right, so we're seeing a lot of balance issues in the United States right now. All right, all right, we're having we're having balance issues.
0: All right, so they try to open the box. Jones realizes that its complexity requires h- him to see inside, so he can't even open it, at least without seeing the inner workings of it. They don't have an X-ray machine, and again, I'm going to regret saying this, <laughs> <'cause> that, <laughs> and, and it was just it was it was just priceless. The look on her face. When she mentions the submarine sonar equipment could be modified, and and again, you know, you mentioned Stone's excitement at seeing different uh, architectural, historical buildings, and, and and that's true. But here, it's this, it's a different kind of excitement. It's like they are two little twelve-year-olds, little
1: kid excitement, no question about it.
0: And the way they're racing each other, you know, <laughs> I get the periscope, not if I get there first, and, <laughs> and yeah. That's
1: hilarious, hey, but I that I get. <laughs> well, uh, I would I would tour the Torsk every single time I go to the Inner Harbor if I had my way, and my wife did not.
0: <laughs> well, well, good, yeah, good point. So, so
1: it's awesome. I mean, like submarines are, are super cool, right? right. And uh, I mean, I, I dig ships anyway. So, and you could get like, by the way, if you ever come to Baltimore, you can get a one ticket takes you to the Constellation, the Torsk, a lighthouse, and a uh, a Coast Guard cutter. It's awesome. It's like the best tour ever to go on those four things. It's it's, it's great. So oh, all right. Well, so speak- I should I should be work for the Baltimore board, like Board of Tourism here,
0: or they should at least take an ad out
1: on the podcast, right? I should I tell I maybe should bill them like after the fact. Okay,
0: I'm okay. They probably that. they probably would pay us and not even know. Yeah, They're like yeah, yeah, whatever. All right. Well, you're probably not liking the fact that Cassandra figures out the combination, and yeah. and then we- they open it. Again, like, it's just it's just too much. So just using it too much
1: to to solve things too easily, you know? Yeah. Like, why would you even, if, if you're going to do that, why would you even send them to the sub? Right. If you knew you could just spread your hands out and the
0: answer would magically appear to you. Right, because at some point we've got to have a situation where she tries and, and she just can't do it. Because as right. you said, she's not a superhero, yeah. a, at least in the but traditional the, sense. Right, but it's becoming like this superpower,
1: right? Yeah, sure. So I mean, like everyone, like Ezekiel, he can break into things, but that's like within the realm of the physical world. You know, Jacob also is knows a lot of stuff about a lot of almost everything. Again, within the actual realm of the knowledge in the physical world, Cassandra's is like this supernatural power. Yeah, that that she has, and and it's you know, it's just if they overuse it, then it, it becomes more like that. You know, sure. No, I agree. Yeah, so it's like we we don't want to think of like a, a we don't have well I, mean, I I also get that you have forty two minutes to, to you know bring this thing to a resolution you know but if you're going to present co- obstacles you got to be able to solve those obstacles with something better than just Cassandra's you know magical ability
0: right and, and that's essentially what it is I mean obviously we we could argue for for minutes that it's not magical but it, it's presented that uh, way. no
1: it's, it's, it's not I, I know it's not magical but it's it's like that you know it, it, no I agree with you yeah so yeah I
0: mean that, um, and, that's and, like I, and I
1: get they they want to show that Cassandra is an integral member of the team and she totally is but they could have her do things other than you know like the the swiping the hands thing you know she has more to bring to the table than just that and in this episode that's really all she brought to the table
0: right now on the other hand what does stone really do in this episode uh oh he knocks out APEP. Oh, good point. That's he true, we, we, and I guess we would argue that it was because of Eve's training, right? The the ten degree turn. Yep, there you go. All <laughs> right. Well, we find out Apep got the key before they did. He's on the submarine with Jones and Stone, and 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 I like that. You know, that they realize that he's going to try to blow up the museum with a torpedo, and and Cassandra again, is trying to help Jones. Too many calculations. Eve's ta- Eve takes over, and is able to diver- avert disaster. Though the sub does crash into the foundation of the museum, which is, I guess, what he wanted anyway. I mean, he he just yeah. thought it would be with the torpedo, with the torpedo, than-
1: right? Exactly. But they still got what they were going for, which everyone who's ever seen the submarine ever knows that. Or I, I, you know, I'm actually not even sure if it's an actual thing, where that you know the torpedoes aren't armed yet, so turn into it. But like the Hunt for Red October, they totally did that, right? Yeah. And Sean Carney's like, you know, turned into it. And everyone's like, what? And Scott Glenn's like, wait, I know what he's doing, you know, and everything. Um, which, by the way, is an awesome movie. I've seen
0: it and oh, read yeah. the book. I read the book first. Yeah, the book's great
1: not. too. Yeah. And uh, Tom Clancy, Baltimore Boy, right?
0: Yep. But then they all seemed like the previous book, so I stopped reading them.
1: Yeah, after yeah after a while, I stopped. But that was an early one. That, that was a great one. That, that might have really been the first? Uh, I think Red Storm Rising might have been his first. Oh, Okay. But I think Hunt for Red October came right after that. Okay. It was the first Jack Ryan book, I believe.
0: Okay. So, anyway. All right. All right. So, we, so then we, we have. digress again. <laughs> yeah, like that never happens. so, <laughs> never, so ever. It, maybe my favorite scene in, in the entire episode, uh, you know, Apep places the chaos spell on, on the librarians and, and, you know, they start fighting with each other. And and of course, that, that prompts Eve to you know suggest strengthening as a team so that they're no longer susceptible because she's the one that kind of figures out what it is that might be happening, uh, although it's probably Flynn that, you know, pieces it together from a historical and mythological standpoint. How do you defeat chaos? You run into the other room. <laughs> or <laughs> with harmony.
1: Right. With harmony. Now- Here's where I got, which I told you before, like anyone who's seen Get Smart knows that the opposite of chaos is not harmony, but
0: control. Well, I know that. Um, yeah. Depending on the age of and some of our- If you don't know it, you should find out because that was one of the funniest shows ever. And they did make a movie, right? In the last four or five yeah, years. Yeah,
1: Steve Carell made it. I didn't. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to watch the movie. Like Don Adams is, is uh, Maxwell Smart. To me, you know, like I don't, I don't, I love Steve Carell, and uh, I'm sure he did a great job, but I just couldn't bring myself to watch it. Yeah. So,
0: all right. Well, how do you defeat chaos? Well, you come in singing. Was that the battle hymn of the Republic? Yeah, this is a battle hymn of the Republic. Yeah. Apep drives one of his evil wave bombs, but it has no effect, and. You know, at, at first I wasn't going to write all of this down, but it, it really, I just love the way they did this. And maybe I'm sappy or whatever. You are sappy. But, but that That's whole, true. you made a mistake, APEP. You thought you could divide us, but you don't yeah. know who I am, who we are. And, and again, they're, they're trading it off line for line, who we are. We are united, bonded together, a family. I do anything for them, even die for them. You can't divide us, and just really—I I mean, it's almost enough for me to raise it to an A minus. But, but, but <laughs> seriously, but but not quite. But not that, quite. well,
1: and that I think that theme scene is actually one of the things that uh, would keep it at a B plus. Bring it you down to the B plus. Okay. I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong, I liked it, but I just thought it was maybe a bit much. Yeah, you know, uh, cuz we get it. Like you don't have to have everyone say that. We get that they defeated him by w- totally working together, you know. It it wasn't something that I was like I I wasn't gagging as as I was watching it. Right, but I guess what- and I, 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 I did kind of like get a little warm fuzzy feeling from it, I have to admit.
0: But but I guess what I liked about it was that it, it took the teamwork idea to a different level. And and, and you know, they used the word family and, and that while certainly we can see that they've become a family and, you know, they act like a family, I think to be able to say it in the face of this evil that you're trying to defeat and that it is your strength, it is the librarian's superpower is that we are united and that you can't divide us. I, I just thought that was pretty powerful. It, it, it was. Okay. All right. So the portal starts to open. Stone grabs the key after decking APEP, as you mentioned. Stargate, anyone? Yeah. Uh, portal closes, and we think all is secure. And and, and I love this. Again, as a narrative device, I, I I wasn't thinking about it at this point. Don't move hands in the air. And, of course, Dosa shows up and demands sure. the key. Dusha. Flynn tricks him into provoking APEP, who sends yeah. the... Evil wave bomb. I think that's what I'm going to call it. The evil wave bomb. Oh, I like what he's like, I didn't.
1: I'm actually surprised you didn't know about the orb. And he's like, of course I knew about that. I just didn't know that you knew. Yeah, you know, that's just kind of like the dumbass stuff. Yeah, <laughs> Dosa. It's just like you can't even like you know like if you can't even admit that uh what you don't know, then then you're in trouble, right? Right, so. right.
0: Now it it looked like apep's spirit leaves this guy's body. And yes. I'm thinking like, okay, now what are you looking for another body to inhabit? Right. Well, the only bodies that are around are dosa bodies. Right. So Unless he can fly up through the opening. and Yeah, exactly. Go through the ether. Which uh, I, I guess there's no reason he can't. It's it's the librarians, man. Like anything could happen, right? Yeah. So, so we've got a little bit longer episode debrief this time, which I, which again, I really like. Jones and Cassandra want to start a band. (laughs) Pan's flute, Gabriel's horn, Mozart's piano. So, what the implication is that Mozart's music was not a product of his own genius, but magic? Come on, guys.
1: Yeah. That's that's right. Well, maybe that you know Mozart's genius imbued the thing with magic so. Oh, uh, yeah. oh, okay. Oh, I like maybe. that better. That's that's how I, that's how I like But but I like that so.
0: the three young ones go off leaving Eve, Flynn and Jenkins to kind of reconcile Dosis entrance into the magic game and 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 you know certainly not to be taken lightly. Flynn thinks because they've got the Ankh and apex no longer has a host body that they're safe. And I'm thinking like we were just saying, why would you think that? Yeah. Why can't he just get another body? Yeah. Now but yeah. well, does- we find out later
1: that he, you know, he, he doesn't think that.
0: Right. Uh, Oh, that's true. That's right. He just, but why would he hide that from Jenkins? <laughs> uh, I think he's more hiding it from Eve. Oh,
1: Oh, okay. Because oh, right. He's right. already expressed her concern that something terrible is about to happen. And, I mean, ultimately, he's going to have to, you know, bring her in on this. You know, it's, it's like not letting her know everything is probably not a great idea. I agree. Right, right. But I think he is thinking from a, you know, interpersonal standpoint that he's, you know, like she's already anxious about what's going on. Um, he doesn't want to you know, add anything more
0: to it, I guess. Right, because he's saying this to Jenkins at the end, not to Eve. Right, of course. Right, right, right. Yeah. And then the final scene, Flynn reading The Book of the Dead, Necromancer's Manual. I'm not sure if those are two different volumes or that's like the subtitle of The Book of the Dead. Yeah, but, I, I never read it. But he says Judson warned him that the ultimate battle between good and evil was coming, he should have listened to Eve and then that, that ominous final statement when Jenkins tells him, no, the ultimate battle's already begun. Yeah. So, um, you know, a great setup, uh, again, like I said, at the top of the show, I, I think they did an outstanding job of setting up season three. You've got two evil foes, you know, how evil is Dosa, you know, that remains to be seen. But clearly chaos is evil.
1: Sure. Yeah, well yeah, no no question about that. Um well you also kind of uh skipped over that last scene with uh Barry and Vanessa Williams.
0: Oh, okay. Where where she's got the uh the little photo. You know, or the phone or what I mean, what does she show? Like I don't what is it? I think How it's a f I think it's a photo of the black evil escaping from his mouth and, uh, and and while she doesn't seem all that concerned other than the fact that you know y- y- you got some splaining to do lucy right and, and of course uh, this guy can't explain it because he doesn't know
1: right and she's telling that he's lying and then she shows him the phone and i'm like what's that about you know like he's not lying as far as i know because like the the baddie left him uh, i don't know well i so, guess i mean was- it's just something that is
0: know a a mysterious element that to be addressed later well i think it speaks to doses and experience in these matters Mm -hmm. at least in part
1: but see that's like with her like the minions and pritchard those guys seem like inexperienced and like not sure what they're doing but vanessa williams looks like she kind of knows what she's doing you know
0: well you wonder i mean again the fact that she is a general so whether she's retired and now working for dosa or whether she's active military and and working for dosa we don't know yet but you wonder whether she just simply did her job in the military so well that that when they needed somebody to lead this organization they they tabbed her and that like her her minions she's learning on the fly Right, right.
1: No, well, no and pun then we, okay, and and now it now that you actually put it that way, I'm thinking, oh well, here's the perfect foil to Eve, right? Oh, I didn't think about that. That's all. Awesome. I didn't either until you just said it. I'm like, whoa, okay, here we go. Because she, if she's a general, then you know she's military
0: and she's like leading this team. Yeah. yeah. Ah, so I can see the scene that's going to come down the road. All right, Eve, officer to officer. Do you really think? Dot dot dot. Yeah. Or a chick fight. Uh I don't see a chick fight coming, <laughs> but you never I don't know. know. I don't know. So well, I do think we're gonna have a scene in which Vanessa Williams' character has Eve imprisoned and she's trying to reason with her to get information out of her, but Oh, I could see that, yeah. So but I don't know. Anything else uh you wanna mention that we haven't talked about yet?
1: Well, yeah, um one thing is uh the call out to Stumpy.
0: Oh right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and they when they when they, they mentions gargoyles and then Jake's just like, oh sorry, and then Izzy just very morosely says Stumpy. That was great. That was that great. Like that. great. Yep. Um I think that maybe might be it. Okay.
0: Well, I mean it's clearly been a lot of fun to talk about a show that's airing as we're talking about it, it's been a couple of years since we've been able to do that. Right. We're going to enjoy it. Uh, nine more weeks. Well, we assume yes. there's no well, break. I think they've listed the dates for, I think the first six episodes. So we, okay. we don't know if there's going to be any kind of a break. I, or I, not.
1: I, I actually kind of assume there is going to be a break in there somewhere. Yeah. But we'll,
0: we'll see. Who knows? Yeah. It's great. And
1: it's, it's fun just to be able to throw out speculation and stuff like that, that, uh, you know I think i've 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 chucked enough out there so that uh you know I, that something' w- one of them's gonna hit <laughs> the shotgun effect you know like something in there is gonna catch i i I must have predicted something correct because i've I've said about you know twenty things that are ridiculous that could be
0: right. so we'll see all right well we want to thank you guys for joining us tonight hope you had a great Thanksgiving love to hear from you with follow ups about you know any of the pilots we previewed back in the day uh, any of the previous seasons of librarians basically anything you think we should be watching like to encourage you to join the facebook group if you're already a member spread the word emails to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com voicemails via the speak pipe tab which you can access through the website we'll be back next week to discuss season three episode two titled the librarians and the fangs of death but until then
1: you know, as we're talking to you Dave, I just thought to myself that I was uh, way ahead of you, as always.